Hey everyone, welcome back to the Blessed Child Podcast. This is your host, Renee. Yeah, in this second episode of Storytime with Ami, we're going to hear a lot of new perspectives. Even for me, it was pretty shocking to hear the backstory of how Ami came into my family. And this is a story I haven't heard anywhere else about the Unification Church. But essentially, this is the story of what happens behind the scenes with marriage trafficking women to undeserving, unemotionally available men. (sighs) Yeah, this story, yeah, it's hard for me to listen to. um, So full trigger warning. Ami is one of the most amazing people I've ever met. And she does believe in the principle of the Unification Church. And that's about it. She's one of those people that truly and honestly believe in living for the sake of others and the principle of whatever she picked up from that. I won't attribute to the principle. I I attribute that to Ami being just a really good person in general. So here we go. Story time with Ami part two. If you haven't heard part one, go back and listen. It's like I was in the army and I was deployed. Exactly. And, um, so it wasn't like choice wasn't even on the menu, you know? Um, and uh, we went there and still what they ha- what I remember in terms of the good stuff, I remember really intensely, they used to have, still had church tents in those days. So different church groups would set up a tent and have their, you know, this like healing, the spiritual healing kind of stuff. Okay. So we went to a couple of those. That sounds fun. <laughs> it was. And this is different religious groups. Yeah, no, no, this wasn't, we weren't putting it on, we were just here as... But they were bystanders, like, you know. This is like era of the hippies. Yeah. Oh, wow, so we got we, you know, because everybody was new to this too. So it's not like every everybody had their deer in the headlights. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody was like swept up in the moment. Yeah. You know, where are we? So you know, so the team leader was this guy named Charlie Weaver, and he was so at first I didn't like him, but <laughs> but um, but he became you know I got to see really his the warm side and how he was easing us into it. And I didn't realize I was being eased into it, but that's what he really was doing. Uh, so we would go to different things just so we'd keep our spirits up, you know? What Were you waking up at five doing home decay? No, none of that. None, none of, of that. that came. None of that yet. Wow. Keep talking. I'll get ooey. Um, so what was the schedule like? Well, you would get up early, uh, but, it, you know, but this is, we would get up early. But um, it was uh, not five o'clock kind of early or anything. And we would go out. But once again, he was easing us into it. So it wasn't like right away, bam, that we get into the um, the intensity of it. Yeah. That came a little bit later because uh, it got really intense. Yeah. But that was later. And that's when they started putting Japanese members in charge of everything. What year was this? When they got involved, 74, 75, like that. So the whole Long Island thing, that was just getting, you know, sort of like taking baby steps into it, you know. And even then it was like still intenser than I experienced before in an MFT thing. Um, But, you know, I didn't worry, didn't think, nobody like really pressured us, you have to make this much money, you know, it wasn't this kind of pressure yet, yet. Um, we were just like, be bopping around. Were you listening to music? And, were you- yeah, we were people. I mean, we were young people, you know, <laughs> we would just enjoy stuff. We'd go to movies and do all this kind of stuff. And then it, uh, the Japanese members became in charge. And they started making groups, like have uh, commanders. And um, then it became more army-like. And there'd be different, They, I think they made 12 different MFT groups. Is this one commanders? The, is, what was the term central figure like a term before they came or No, central figure is a term, yeah. Okay. But I wasn't using it a lot. Um and I became part of Mr. Swamakai's group. Oh. And he was he was in charge. His central place was Chicago. So that was my you know, after six months or so of larking it and um having a fun time in Rhode Island. In Long Island. Long Island. Um Yep, we went. I was sent to um, Chicago. So 
where Mr. Swamukai had this hierarchy structure for MMT. Yeah. Well, not just him. It was Mr. Kamiyama that was in charge, totally. You know, he was the, the command. I mean, he was the general. And, and then he had his commanders. And, um, That's what they called Miro- him? No. But that was the structure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And the commanders are all mostly Japanese members at that time. But eventually, American members became commanders, too. Um, but... Uh, it, that's when things became way more intense. And um, can I ask? Sure. How did these people get anointed their position? Who gave them the the power? Oh, who knows? They were there as the power. These are all seven 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 blessed couples and stuff like that. You know, they were already the commanders at that time were like that level seven seven seven. So people which who was, got the blessing. Yeah. By moon. Yeah. So that was their yeah, yeah. anointing. Well, I mean, they also had experience in their own country, Japan. Why didn't you, you were there, when was the 777 blessing? Uh, the 777 was, in, I don't think I was a member yet. Oh, that was in the six, mid-60s, yeah. Okay, okay. So these were all... And the 1800 blessing, which was the next blessing, was in 1975. Okay. So this was in between, when I started it, it was just the 777, I mean, the 1800 couple was coming up soon. But, um, yeah, so I was sent there and... Uh, and he was a very, always was, and was, because he did pass on in 2008. Um, and I always remained close to him, you know, a loving guy. He was always a Mr. Swamakai. Swamakai, okay. Yeah. And so, um, but he was also, he had a structure. And he was also much more strict about things than I was used to at that point. Even more than the Austrians? Well, I mean, different you know, he's, he's Japanese. And he didn't have the... I mean, Leo was like... Like this kind of like German, more kind of intense. He, he was much more like uh, kind of deceptive in that he was more loving and kind of come across that way. And oh, like love, win love you over you. heavenly deception. Kind you know, of win you over that way kind of guy. And, um, Manipulative, but, if you will. But... Uh, but he's, you know, I'll always have a soft spot in my heart for him. And, um, but anyway, so he, um, you know, I became part of his group. And uh, we had this, and I was out fundraising in his group. How many people were there? Um, well, he had many teams. Oh, he was a general. He was a commander, commander. And he had many captains, team oh, captains. Oh, okay. So general, commander, captain. Yeah. And each team captain has how many members? Each team had eight to twelve, depending on the uh, size and where they at were at. And, and where were you living? At, oh, as a team. Well, we didn't live in one place. We traveled. Yeah, that's my first—not my first experience traveling, but early. I mean, I had it in Long Island, but not to the intent. We still went to the center. So this is the first time we started going out and maybe staying in, um, you know, out in the woods or something. Sometimes. So camping. Camping. After a long day of fundraising. Yeah. And how, that much, kind of thing. how much did you make on these teams? It varied. I mean, usually hovering around 100 at the beginning. So probably about 1000 a day per, per team? Yeah, probably something like that. And where was this money being sent? I wasn't paying attention to that stuff. I really had no idea and cared about that. How did how did they convince you to just do this? this is, I'm, you have to understand, I was just this... I joined... At 18, I was just really like um, in, caught up in everything, and I was, you know, was, you know, I did, I did believe in the principle, and, and still do in many ways. Um, so, I, it, questioning it wasn't a part of the agenda. You know, it wasn't part of my agenda anyway. I just went along, but my rebellious nature came out in other ways. Um, not so much in what I was told to do as much as, you know, sometimes getting tired and I would take breaks and I'd get in trouble for that kind of things like that. You get in like trouble that. for taking a break? Well, the breaks I would take, like, yeah. Well, what, what kind of, like, just an hour? I'd take a couple hours to go to sleep or something. Well, well yeah, I mean, that, you probably needed to sleep. What was the punishment? Oh, no, it's not real punishment, just talking to. Um, but, you know, stuff like that or, or just, you know, it showed up in my... Um, I make only thirty dollars some days or something like that, and you know that's how that's when they started cracking down on me. And um, that was going on for a while, and then 
then it became, then, and, I, and even on our group, I had Kathy Brown. You heard of Kathy Brown? Kathy, um, what is her married name? She was Kathy Brown in those days. But she got married to somebody from, yeah. So she was a good fundraiser. She was a much better fundraiser than me. But she still wasn't like, you know, what her potential was. And um, they saw people like her and people like in different, I guess, different teams that seemed to excel over the other people like me, you know, of my, I wasn't really the worst. I wasn't the best. Um, but the Excel, Excel type people, they were put on a special team. Mm, interesting. And that team, they'd make a thousand dollars a day. Yeah. Per member. That's some. They became extremely oh extreme. God. And then. Per member? So they were per, making. A thousand. Exactly. Per member, I'm saying. They'd make it. That was the average per member on that team. So. A thousand many, a day. How many people were on that team? Ten, maybe. So they were making $10,000 a day out of mm-hmm. the 70s and giving it to. Well, I, you know, like I said, I didn't pay attention to that part. But um, but at the end of the day, what would you do with that money? Give it to the team captain. So the team captain. And the then... te- there was a team mother, usually Japanese, um, and she would deal with all that. So, so the think Japanese anything of it. were just taking the money and figuring it out. Well, I mean, the team captain was involved, too, and she she was uh, made sure we were clothed right, fed right, stuff like that. So they would feed you, clothe you. Yeah. But, but, and, and you would sleep in the woods. Well, sometimes. Sometimes we went to a hotel, depending on where we were at. And sometimes we went to church centers, depending on where we were. We so were. the church centers were pretty open to, to, mem- to members. No, yeah, yeah, sure. That's different because in my my day, they were like, we were a burden. So sleep outside because the church oh, centers. Oh, things are so different. You shouldn't burden the The worst center. thing that happened is when people got blessed. <laughs> I'm telling you, people changed when they got blessed. I, Members were so different. I, I saw that after, because I left for a while, and that's a later story. But, and then when I came back, I. People were so different. It's like people I thought were these gung ho members were not so gung ho anymore, and there was different, attitude, spirit, and stuff like that. So anyway, enough of that. It was like a. I mean, I, I would think it was a traumatic experience to be blessed, to be matched and blessed. It was so fun. This birth- it was a traumatic experience. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, did it because they had faith with such, but I made me leave the church. So oh. it was a very traumatic. That's when I left. Oh, wow. And even Mr. Kamiya was my leader. He says, if you don't want to be blessed to this guy, then you leave. I'll take care of him. That was his whole attitude. So what happened? I left. And he took care of him? I don't know what he did with him, but I left. So, um, and I left him and the church and everything else, but that's later on. Now, I know that Moon deliberately put felons in the blessing and matching. Like, he was like, he was like, we have to restore. I never heard that. Oh, well, I, I found some information about it. So I was wondering, like, what kind of person were you matched to? Okay. No, he was just a good guy. I mean, he's a good guy. He's just not somebody I really felt I could be blessed to. Was he still, is he still, did he stay in the church? I have no idea. You have no idea what happened to him. Never. So you got matched. I, I know one thing. He he was rematched and rematched and rematched. Really? All the girls had trouble with him. <laughs> I wasn't the only one. Wow. So he wasn't, but he wasn't a felon and he wasn't uh, somebody <laughs> like that. I mean, he's a difficult. trustworthy person. Yeah, a difficult person. He, yeah. Um, so how was your matching ceremony? How did that spring upon you in the middle of fundraising? It sounds like. I went, um, that was in 1979. And um, that was after I did my... Seven years of MFT? No, I'm still an MFT, um, uh, but or 78 or something like that. But in the course of those years on MFT, I developed and became where they decided, okay, anybody who wants to, uh, and I, I, myself and one other, I think a brother, other brother did it. So it wasn't the whole team that did it, that we decided to do, do a contest of like at least $400 a day. And that was our goal. We had to make $400 a day. So we stayed out. Until we made four hundred dollars a day, but that was probably one of the best months of my life. Crazy, and I just became so intense, and not about toward people, whatever. But it was it was a, 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 um, 
a big faith builder for me. Was this the competition if you make $400 a day you every get day to, for 30 days? You go to Korea, which we never did. You get to go to Korea. So they told you this. Your yeah. commanders told you, hey, everybody make $400 a day. Yeah. No, anybody wanted to. So the team didn't include every single member of our fundraising team doing this contest. Maybe one or two people on a team. Was this like Somkai or Kamiyama's idea, or Mr. was this directly? From no, Mr. Kamiyama's idea, I think, or maybe Father's idea. I mean, Reverend Moon's idea. I don't know whose idea it was, but I, the offer of South Korea going there was probably from Reverend Moon. So, how many people partook? They didn't expect so many people. So that's why it became financially impossible to send us. There was a lot of people that reached that goal. So, um, I think that's why they didn't do it. But we we got some. I. I I really, in the, the whole month, I wasn't thinking about, oh, Korea, Korea. I wasn't like that about it. It was, just seems like fun to go somewhere else because I'd never been out of the country at that point. And, um, but the fact that we didn't go, it didn't really bother me. I mean, I, I wasn't that into it. We, we, were, we went to East Garden and I got to um, so hang out with the father's children. So you made $12,000 that month? Yeah. But they couldn't send you to Korea? Okay, listen, I, like I said, I didn't really care about that. Yeah. It was it was like something, a goal. But the fun thing was actually doing it. Mm. And I got really sick in the course of that, that month. I got this really sore throat. I was having a fever, and I got a really sore throat. And, um, and my team captain is this Japanese brother that said, okay, this is what you do. <laughs> and he told me what to do. And uh, take a real, real hot shower and you take this medicine, you take a real, real hot shower and get underneath all these blankets and you're going to sweat it out. I never heard of that. At that point, I never heard of this kind of therapy. And, um, but I did it and sure enough, I woke up and I didn't feel sick anymore. And I was only after three or four hours of sleep. And, um, and I went back out again and because um, I, I really didn't want to be sick because I really wanted to get that goal. And um, made it, finally made that goal. It was, and toward the end, the last few, I still was a distance away. And, um, and I would go to places and things started happening. Like I went to this one bar and this one drunk guy gave me 20 bucks and then he dropped $20. And, and he said, oh, you can have that too. And, you know, like that, that kind of stuff would happen where you just, people started just opening their pockets kind of experiences. So it's kind of cool. And Libby, you heard of Libby? She was one of the people on the, the big team, the really the popular. The thousand dollars yeah, person she was, a day. And she would, she actually went, she was at her goal. She was at, and I had heard the story and I thought, I, I wonder if I'd have the guts to do this at some point if I had to. And, um. And, but she was definitely inspiring me. And she went up to this guy and she, her team captain was there to pick her up. And she was still like $80 from her goal. And, uh, or something like that. 60, 80, something. And um, she went up to this guy and she said, you know, I, I, I need to make this much money. Is there, he's here to pick me up. If I don't make this money, I won't make my goal. So she told the story and he came out and wrote her a check for that much money. And like the, Four hundred dollars we're talking about, or a thousand dollars in the seventies is like three or four thousand dollars now with inflation. That's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it was, well, yeah, it was a lot then. It was okay. now I wouldn't think much of it. You're right, but then, yeah, it was a lot then. And but uh, yeah, no, it was a pretty intense month, but a good experience for me. And it was a good experience to go to East Garden and spend time with the kids, and I became really connected to um, Hongjinim. The one that died when he was just still a kid, oh. or young. He was still pretty young. What was he like? He, I don't know. He was like, I go. I hear you draw really good. Can you draw something? I was given this picture, and I asked him to draw something on the back of it. He goes, Okay, what do you want me to draw? <laughs> like that kind of spirit. But he really loved animals. And I think that we connected on that because you know, uh, he drew an animal. And I go, love rabbits so he drew a rabbit and he I said I really love rabbits I'm really connected to rabbits and he just I don't know it was this I felt this real strong connection to him so when I heard that he had passed on I was very sad it was really sad for me and um but uh 
anyway, so yeah, it was like that. So you guys fundraised for the whole month, and then instead of going to Korea, you guys got sent to East Garden. Yeah. And what? How long did you spend there? A day, a full day. A full day, and then did you just go right back out to selling? Um, well, you know, we were there for a while in New York, I think it was like, there was some team conference, like a team meeting or conference or something like that. And, um, and then we went out, then I went back out. Sure. Cause that was 75 and I was out fundraising until 79. So it was in the middle. Actually, I was fundraising even later than that, 80 something. And was sent to, at seven, in 1979, I was sent to, um, New York to be part of uh, Mr. Kamiyama's office to work to help ensure the cars that were being sent to, for MFT. And I really didn't like that. I rather, you know, didn't like that work so much. Where was the office? In the New Yorker. Oh, okay. It's when we so still had the New Yorker. There was like a company insuring all the vehicles. What? Different companies. Okay. So I worked with different agents and stuff. Do you remember any of those names, the business names? All state, just people like that, oh, wow. okay. companies so, like that. So they purchase a car, and before the car could go out, I had to make sure it was insured properly. I made mistakes on that level too, by the way, but you know, like not getting it in time or whatever. But anyway, you know, I was still young, and um, and but yeah, I did that, but I wasn't really an office kind of I never liked that kind of work you know yeah I I wonder how many um accidents were you dealing with every not too many not too many I know like people were driving and until they would fall asleep yeah there was accidents but I was still on MF on the heavier part of MFT when some of those those kind of accidents happened where the, the one sister became paralyzed and even a member died um or a Japanese brother died so, but though, I mean, by the time I got to the office and stuff, they really were strict about, you know, making sure there's somebody keeping the driver awake and so all this kind of stuff. started the, the driver and then the, there was the commander. Yeah. So those kind of heavy duty accidents didn't happen while I was in the office. Not because of me, but because people learned their lesson, you know. So it took somebody dying. It took, we, no, it took a couple of people dying. How, or, well, one person getting paralyzed you know that was horrible and these are from the candles you guys they were they were selling candles the team where she broke her back yeah and they had them stacked up and she was sleeping on the in the part of the van and they had them stacked up and they and he went crash the driver fell asleep crashed and they tumbling down on her back and so she got paralyzed she got paralyzed and the other brother uh, hurt his back badly, but wasn't paralyzed. And who is the person that died? The Japanese brother. It's a I can't remember, Kenji something. Oh, it's so sad. And um, I just remember Mrs. Swamakai had joined at that point, and she had a dream about that before it actually happened. And it happened. And yeah, it was really sad. Yeah, he's such a sweet. Guy. He was one of these really sweet, sweet guys. You know, not intense. You know, a lot of the Japanese members that were in charge of things were pretty intense people. But he was just like laid back and a sweet guy. So they didn't put him in charge. He was just part of the team because he was, that wasn't his nature, you know. So I, I remember crying. It's going to make me cry now. I'm thinking about it because he was such a sweetheart guy. What was, why didn't they stop fundraising? Why didn't they stop MFT after? I don't know. All I know is, is they did start trying to be more careful but, you know, I had the experience around that time when before they started being more careful of, you know, like being in the car and a guy driving away. He kidnapped you? He was trying to. And, or, you know, something and I uh, jumped out of the car. That same night or that same week, one of the sisters would have been raped, you know. So that, that kind of stuff, that same week, yeah. What, it, what was the um, what was the explanation to that? What happened to her? Yeah, she was out fundraising. She's by herself. And got in a situation. Probably wasn't as careful as I was. Mm-hmm. Well, I wasn't really being careful, but a little bit more, you know, in tune maybe yeah. to the feeling of that person. Malice. And- yeah. Um, 
And uh, I remember people saying it's because something's wrong with you. You know, like you've got some spirits attacking, yeah, attracting this kind of evil spirit world, all that bullshit, yeah. nonsense, victim blaming. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. So I got that kind of rap going. Really? Oh, yeah. You, even yeah. though you jumped out of the car. And yeah, yeah. Nobody that never would have happened to you if you were more focused or more centered. God so centered nobody protected you or the other girl? Oh, no. No. And it's the the Javanese sisters, some of them were really wonderful sisters, but they're always support. I mean, the team captain was always right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there wasn't even support from that person, you know. Oh, so this is really kind of toxic leadership. Well, this one, I, I went out and I was just not in the mood to fundraise. And um, not in the mood, I don't even remember the, the team captain's name anymore, so I won't be able to tell you who it is. Um, but I, I even called, I was like really down. I even called Cindy, Cynthia Shea was her name before she got blessed. I can't remember her married name now, but she was in the, the office in New York. I remember calling her and telling her I'm really really struggling here and she tried to like go out you know it'll pass and you know, be nice but still focusing on getting out there back out there and um and it wasn't in the mood so I just sat around for hours sometime I just was not in the mood to fundraise that day so I came back into the van I made maybe 20 bucks you know I was really or 30 or whatever it's low it's a good amount for the 70s and um and the team captain took this big book and threw it across the room at me, across the van, because I was in the back seat. And he threw it from his driver's seat all the way to the back and hit me in the head, hit me on the face, got a big gash, blood. And, um. Oh my God. Oh, uh, what happened? Well, nothing, except he yelled at me. And I mean, in terms of being going to the doctor or something? No, nothing like that. A book hit you in the face and gashed Hit me in the face. He threw it at me. Yeah, no, I know. Well, let me, it would be ironic if it was the divine principle. <laughs> no, no. It was uh, some big, thick map, like for maps and stuff. Or some book. Not not a church, religious book. You're volunteering. What did you think at that point? I mean, this is all volunteer. This but is like we didn't think. Yeah, but this wasn't the kind of mindset we had, you know, that we were volunteering. You know, we didn't look at it that way. And what did you look at it like? I didn't see, re- I mean, I couldn't see being treated that way, you know, even then. If I was not, I mean, I think that mental health days should have been dished out once in a while. Yeah. And uh, allowed for members to take a break or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But no, he was, oh, he was just so angry and I can never forget that intense angry but you know what I ended up liking the guy <laughs> oh my god I ended up thinking he was a good guy but that was months later and um oh my god <laughs> I wish oh, you didn't deserve that you never did I think that happened that might have happened because I was still um I had been matched but I didn't leave the church at the matching I, you know, we didn't, because there was a matching and the blessing part didn't come until months later. So I still was around. And I think it was in that period where I was very not happy. So you were being abused. And, um, you know, so that's when I think they decided, oh, you should go to the MFT office and that kind of thing. Oh, you needed a mental health day. That's a lot to deal with. And um, so that kind of whatever. And then I went back out in MFT and then... um, you know, went back to Chicago. What Swamakai was sent to New York, and so it was a different commander, and he was really strict. And I ended up liking him too, but um, he's in the next life as well. And um, but he was a lot. He didn't have the warm and fuzzy that Mr. Swamakai had. And um, what what uh, nationality was he? J- Japanese. Japanese guy. Yeah, and um, but. You know, then it was during that period of time that everybody was sent for the actual blessing. And I went through the blessing, actually, with, I wasn't ever married, but I went through the blessing ceremony, you know, 1,800 people, you know, like 1,000 or I don't know how many people. And um, 
a lot of people. But it was like I was in a fog, you know, and I realized, uh-uh, this isn't going to work. I, I can't do this. And that's when I left. You had that illusion of choice. Um, what was your matching story? You never told me. Was it Moon that matched you? Mm-hmm. Where was Horrible. It? Horrible story. I was in, we were all met at the New Yorker. I didn't realize we were all, I thought we were going there for like a workshop or something like that. But then there was the blessing. And I was there for two days. I mean, he took like four four or five days of, you know, he didn't like to sit there and go, you know, he took time, you know. It wasn't that. He would, he took shorter time than people getting to know each other, but he still took some effort of time per per. But the room was almost empty by it. I, I think that was so depressing for me. I go, I'm not good enough. No, it's like being picked last on a basketball team. Yeah, I'm not good enough. I shouldn't be here. I don't even want to be here. I don't even... And that's probably why I was there still, because I really wasn't into it. Well, you didn't consent to being married. Yeah, and I and I think that's why I was still stuck there. Because I really... what my I didn't have the home. Anyway, so finally they put me with this guy. And go, oh, what the heck? And this, you know, I said, okay. But... You know, five minutes later, I turn around and go, what did I agree to? I don't want this. You know, and I never really connected to it and then left. So my question is, this guy is supposed to be the Messiah who has some spiritual prowess that can connect you on some deep level. But you didn't feel that. No. So what did you think about him after? I'm talking about Reverend Moon. What did you think okay. Well, I, that's what I'm saying. I went out. To, I, I was happy on MFT, so I went back out to MFT I was happy that that was made me happy. And that's when I left the the I was in the the office for insurances and that that's um, things are coming back to me. But and it was I was in New York for that. Oh. And then they decided to have this blessing. So you were in New York. And so that whole thing of the matching said get me out of here, you know. And so I was put back on MFT, which happened, you know, I got back into the MFT. Uh. And um but then when I was you know, the inevitable was coming the that they're going <laughs> bless us and then that's when I said uh uh-uh, uh I can't do this and that's that's when because there was this whole you you guys don't even know we had to do this thing of being paddled and um and you had to be hit by the, your respective spouse three times with the paddle I was black and blue for days and days he hit you that hard oh yeah I hit him that hard too I mean but yeah, and why? What was the? Exp- what I mean, it was part of the whole, you know, the whole thing, you know, the whole stuff that was going on. So, um, so hold on. So they they make you marry against your will, but as a release of uh, well, it wasn't. I can't like, say people's against their wills. Everybody. Well, you were. I I was against my will. Okay, so against your will. So and I left. Yeah. So so they it, gave you a chance to hit him to get the, get the anger out. <laughs> And then, and, but I still didn't work, and um, so after blessing, you know, I just, um, you know, said, okay, I'm going back to being a nurse. That's when I oh. it was in '82, and I got finally? you know finally. So I went to uh, went back to school for a while because you know there had been ten years from when I like graduated. Graduated, so I went back to school for a while and did that and worked a little, you know, home, you know, home health nurse kind of, but as a nurse. Um, you know, little things to make to to live and to make money on my own, and um, lived with a couple of sisters that are also struggling. All three, there was three of us, all struggling with did, their blessings and stuff. Did they want to get matched, or were they kind of in the same situation? I they were all unhappy with the matches, people, and um, but they went off to do their own thing eventually, and I just decided um, I'm going to go really more gung-ho into nursing, and went to Beth Israel. Ah, yes, you were there for 20 years. And they had this special course that I took that course, and um, because you you need to take this course and we'll get you a job. That was kind of the thing. So I took this course and got a job on pediatrics, and that's when that whole career started. Yeah. And how long did, and you left the church? Yeah, was- didn't go back to church. I used to kept in contact with certain people, right. my, my cousin, of course. Mm-hmm. And um, my Cynthia, that girl, she came and visited me a few times. And I lived in a hospital housing, which was 
relatively cheap. Ah, so the relatively rest of cheap. Your career took took you back into the yeah. world. Yeah, and um, and I did that for I was there for twenty eight, oh, close to thirty years in that hospital. So what did you what what was going through your mind about the experience with the Moonies when you left? Well, I felt really bad. I mean, I felt like I failed. You know, I was on that level, but I tried not to focus on that. So, but I was really depressed about um, I'm going to go to hell and you know this kind of stuff oh, wow. for quite a few years. Because the blessing or just every yeah I, I I it's like I rejected I had to reject everything or even my cousin wasn't super supportive at that point he said well you should go be a Christian or something you know and um so there wasn't people supportive and coming just Cynthia was for a while but she was having her kids and you know that of course became her main concern wow. for good reason and um and she was a really good mother so is a really good mother. Um, so that was understandable. Um, but I did meet, when I was on, in pediatrics, one of the people that really helped me on MFT, was named, her name was Nancy Breivogel. And she got blessed. And, um, and she was such a positive inspiration for me. And um, so she came, she heard about me going to work at this yeah this hospital and so we went out to lunch and um she showed me she said that she was having trouble having children and she had this procedure done and so um they uh took liquid from her pelvis you know from her uterus and it turned out she had ovarian cancer and she was like coming to me hopeful. I try to connect her with people, but even in my little experience and no experience with cancer at that point, I still knew that this was, you know. So she she had um, um, eventually, you know, she came. We met a few times, but then, you know, she, I'm, I thought it was just that she got more sick, but she. Um, she did get a, uh, an offering child, and um, so her and her husband had this offering child. But she was getting sicker and sicker, and um, and she—I don't know what happened exactly, the sequence of stuff. But cause Cynthia told me this much later. But either she died first, or her husband—her husband died in an accident. So they both died within a very short amount of time. But I don't know which came first. And um, and I knew she had had. I mean, I knew from the intensity of what she was bringing me that her that her death was coming. But um, I didn't know when or anything like that because she dropped out of sight, and I didn't know how to reach her. And um, but I heard from Cynthia later that you know this had happened, and her husband had died too. So that still a baby went back to the parents. Mm. Um, to the offering parent, uh, couple. Mm. Wow, that's really hard. And you weren't in the church when this was mm. all happening. So what were what were you thinking about this whole situation? Well, I knew she was sick, and I felt really bad. But I didn't know about her husband. That I found out much later. Or about the baby. That came later, too. Wow. But I knew that she didn't have long on the earth. Because she, I mean, it was already in her uterus. I mean, it was in... She had ascites. Yeah. Oh. oh I mean, because that's yeah, the fluid. That's yeah, that's bad. So, um, I just knew that it was bad. So, um, yeah. What year was this? That was in 1980-something. And then, at some point, what, at some point you get back into the church. Yeah, well, um, I was, um... In 2001 or something, I bought the apartment Yeah. in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that whole year before he came to visit me, I was like um, feeling like some change was coming up. And I had uh, I w- had been married for a period of time, but he left. He left. And um, 
Oh, you got married. This was okay. So you got matched and blessed, and then you left, left. and then you actually got married. I actually got married to somebody, I but then he the left. Same person. No, he okay. left, and um, and uh, I actually wasn't real sad about that. It wasn't. It was a toxic situation, and um, and I decided, you know what? Change. I need change. So, ah, so you were just getting on at the divorce, a toxic marriage. Yeah. Okay. So New Jersey decided yeah. to go to New Jersey. And got a job at the hospital in New Jersey, Inglewood, um, and got at that condo. And um, my cousin came to visit. Mm. Well, first, my friend came to visit from California, and that was a positive, wonderful experience. And um, and this was anyway. That was really, pot, really, you know, got my spirits up really well after the whole divorce stuff. And then then Michael came, and Michael came to visit. Because, you know, he was, uh, it was just him, not his wife, just him. And um, he, his, he had two kids. Oh, yeah. That were going into uh, the high school. The Bridgeport, what was it? I can't even remember oh, what it was called. Bridgeport, Bridgeport International Academy. Yeah. Uh, or BIA. New, New Eden Academy, probably at that time. So, um, yeah. and... Uh, so he, you know, he says, oh, do you want to come with me? I'm going to see how the school is and what's going on. Okay. So that's when I went there, met you. You didn't meet me yet, but I saw you. You were just, uh, Seven, uh, you were in a uniform still. Oh, my gosh. I was like t- 11 years old. 10 or 11. 10 or 11. And, um, and you're so cute. And, uh, and then I heard your dad was had also his wife left, you know, I heard that whole story then. And, um, and then I, even when, you know, I was sitting in on the teacher's meeting, you know, I was clearly not into all that, but just sat there and felt good to be around church members again, you know? And, um, and I met, of course, I had always known Michael's kids, but, you know, I saw them grown up more and, um, spent time with them, you know, it's nice. And, um, and then six months after that, that's when um, uh, Farley's wife, Betsy, called me. And Nora Spurgeon, they both called me to say, would you be interested in getting blessed and da, 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 to your father? Oh, my God. Why did you say yes? <laughs> well, I didn't at first. Oh, my God. <laughs> what do you mean? I, I mean, I You're thought... the reason. You are the reason. <laughs> Seriously, six six months later is when I started taking the idea more seriously. But Mrs. Swamakai said, well, I was waffling about it. She goes, just how much you can give to these kids. Think about it like that. Oh, my God. Think about what you could do for them. That's her. That was her approach to me. And that's what I did. Wow. I wasn't even thinking about marriage on a personal level. No, you weren't. I was thinking about spending time with you four. Wow. That's... Of course, your brother's never liked me so much but but um still that became my priority so you just wanted i mean i thought you had joined the church prior to meeting my dad again i mean i thought you were really into it again well yeah i mean i was cynthia's getting me back into it and you know but it was I was still working as a nurse. I wasn't like, you know, yeah. it was different at that point. It wasn't like you did like when I was in the church. Oh. It was, you know, I was, but I did start going to some church services and that kind of thing. Yeah. Before. Yeah. Because when I met you, you put me in all the church programs and we kind of, we kind of got re-indoctrinated together because you went to Korea with, with me. Yeah. And yeah. Did your got mission. re-indoctrinated together. At so really good, really good way to put it. Yes. But you just wanted to take care of me. Yeah. Because that's essentially what happened. Dad kind of just gave me to you. I just wanted to take care of you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just remember shopping, taking you guys out to buy you stuff. But I wasn't really good at doing this. No, you were great. No, I really wasn't. I made a lot of mistakes. I was trying to be a gung-ho member at the same time as taking care of you guys. And I should have just forgot the gung-ho member part. I should have just taken care of you guys. And, um, and, you know, I, I failed with your brothers, I think, but, um, you did awesome with me. (laughs) It was a little bit scary (laughs) with the indoctrination part, but 
I mean, you were the first person to bring me lunch at school. <laughs> and um, I just remember the fun we had driving. Remember those days? <laughs> <laughs> driving to Camp Sunrise? Just you, you letting you drive. <laughs> you were like 12 <laughs> and letting you drive. <laughs> those were the fun days. But... Um, yeah, I mean, the whole thing, I, I just didn't like, um, I'm not a very, the best at housekeeping, I'm really bad at housekeeping myself, so I can't say anything about people that way, but what bothered me was um, that you had, of course, part of it was the technology at the time, but part of it was also that you had the phone, I mean, if you're on the phone, you couldn't be on the computer, and if you're on the computer, you couldn't talk on the phone, or, it's, you know, this kind of thing, so I was the first one to say, you need to get, um DSL or whatever it was called. You need to get it so you can do both at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so I tried it. You know, I think I even paid for it. Got it set up or something like that. And you'd call and check on us. Yeah, because I couldn't call and check on you. Because the boys were always on the computer. <laughs> you must so, have been really worried. We were just a, a rascal, like a rascal-looking gang of skinny, so I malnourished, really pressed the dirty kids. No, you weren't dirty. We, Never dirty. We were living with cats so many cats. yeah i know but you weren't dirty and dad was a hoarder and we, we yeah, he's still a hoarder yeah he's really bad at it but um anyway but i was i mean i was about 75 pounds 80. i know you were little you were so tiny I, I was, nobody was feeding us yeah i tried I, but i still worked and i yeah so i mean when you saw us what was your first impression of all four of us well, the first impression was the house and the state it was in. But you guys were wonderful. I loved you guys. What was the house? The well, the house? state of the house, you know, as compared. But now I don't even keep the house up. But at that time, I was a little bit better at it. But I, I couldn't take on that challenge. You mean, like, you mean like all the kids sleeping in the basement with no... Um, well, the way the house was itself, the mess. The you, on the floor and the jam caked onto the ground and... Four kids that didn't know how to do chores. Yeah. Well, you know, you guys were not the... You weren't... I didn't see you guys as dirty at all. I I, I just saw the house, but I, I wasn't... But I also knew my limitations in that, that I wasn't... You know, whatever I could get done in my house was as well... As, for one person, one-on-one, -on -one, was as best that I was able to do because I didn't really have the upbringing of a clean house either. It was great. <laughs> But, uh, so I wasn't good at that part, and Nora used to get on me about that, and I go, but I just don't, don't have that upbringing either, you You're know? kind of like a mail-order bride. <laughs> <laughs> but your father really, uh, I don't think he was really into, I, I think he was so alone, or I don't know what it was, but he really wasn't into that. Wasn't into being in a romantic relationship. Right. So it never got to that point. It was kind of just like partners raising yeah. kids. Yeah. Just kind of wanted to have kids and raise them. I wanted to, uh, because he was never, I don't, uh, I don't even know if he likes me, quite frankly. Yeah, he's he's what I call a narcissist, covert or overt, I'm not sure, but he's really self-absorbed. Yeah. And um, so. I don't even know if he likes me, to be honest. <laughs> I don't think he does. <laughs> but, uh but, you know, I still care. I care for him. I, know I won't leave him. Yeah, it's been 30 years. Yeah. So, 20, um, 20 something years. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. Anyway, it's all right. <sighs> sort of. So if you could go back to... I would never have brought up the whole crapola, quite frankly. You would have never said, you know, this is the course, that we're an ideal family, this is... This no, is how we're supposed to do things. I, I would have still gotten married and wanted you guys in my life, but I never. But I thought I, I had to be a certain person, and I that part, which my even my cousin warned me not to be like that. That part I would have changed. Well, you had seven, seven, seven couple whispering into your ear about how to how to raise us, and and when you were messing up, kind of like, oh, well, your kids are being rambunctious. You know, now you have to send them to Chumpyong and have to have them. Nora Spurgeon was whispering in your ear, was it? Was she not telling you to clean the house and take care of the kids? Sort of, yeah. And then, I didn't take it that to heart, but yeah. And then when we went to Terrytown, they were telling you how to raise me and making sure you held me to a certain standard. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, 
it was weird. I, I wanted to be long again. It was part of my own insecurities too. And I wasn't being treated. Um, everybody still thought, you're, you know, Yoshiko is the one that should be in the family and this kind of thing. Yeah. And really, I, they actually said it to my face. And I'd go to these workshops and stuff like that. And I would be shunned. And you guys were being shunned. And that's where I think I felt I had to get into it and fight for you guys. Oh, it's not about blessing per se, but just fight for you guys not to be given this reputation. Oh, to belong. That's why you went to all the workshops and we did all the things to prove that we were no less valuable than everybody else. Yeah, I felt that way too. I felt like everybody looked at us like a contempt. And, 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 but people actually would be at workshops shunning, shunning me. Miss, even... Jim Stevens, who he was upset about that. That you married our dad? No, 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 no. The opposite about the way I was being treated. Oh wow, that's. that's nice. He was really upset about that. Yeah. He saw it. The, hip- the hypocrisy. It really hurt us as a family. I remember it. It really hurt us, especially yeah. as kids. This is why I did these things, so you can, you know, be treated like everybody else. Oh, we never were, and we never were going to be. And, um, but it turned out who wants to be treated like everybody else in that group? They were, I never really attached to Bridgeport, quite frankly. I never really liked Bridgeport. And, um, New York was a little better, but not a lot better. Uh, New York was worse. There was way more gossiping. Well, yeah. You know. Weren't you getting like letters? Oh, uh, well, yeah. But then there was also people I knew from before that were really nice to me, mm. which wasn't the case in Bridgeport. So I had a certain friendships on some some level, but I didn't have that in Bridgeport. I'm seeing this from a new light. So basically, church members saw four neglected kids and found a woman to take care of these children, which is sweet. Mm-hmm. But then they started telling you how to take care of these children. Well, I mean, not directly, but, you know, they... Keep them in. You know, they it, there was like... I mean, there are people that, um, uh, I think your brothers expressed an interest in young girls and they were rejected because of our past, because of the past. They rejected us. It's not like anything we did. It's our parents got a divorce. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And that, and that really, I I didn't know how to do, deal with that. So I tried to get dug in more and that actually, I really wasn't a good member. No, you were trying to, you were, again, kind of coerced into a lot of responsibility. You have to understand, I never felt any negativity or bad, even, you know, you were teenagers, so I served negativity because you were teenagers, you know, that, that, but I never felt, you guys never made me feel, you don't belong here. You never made me feel that way. Oh. Never. Oh, we needed you. <laughs> so... It wasn't you guys. It was the church environment. And so I was, you know, really happy to leave that church environment, quite frankly. Mm. Yeah. The only person that opened his heart to me was Tony Scazzaro. Mm. He was your old MFT captain. Yeah. Yeah. And um, he's the only one. And we're talking about like hundreds of people mm-hmm. in the course of our Bridgeport. And Cynthia. Terry's Cynthia, home. but they're, they're, when she's in New Jersey and he was in... Yeah. So, there's only two people. I never made friends with anybody in the church. It's such a weird... We had such a weird experience. So we saw these four kids. We would end up dead either way, you know, if you didn't show up. Um, and they wanted somebody to take care of these kids. They didn't want to take responsibility, so they looped you into our family. <laughs> it's kind of weird. It's like so enmeshed. It's well, I mean, you know, in deference to Betsy and and Nora, they wanted me. They wanted to see your father happy, so they thought, oh, if he's married again, maybe he could be happy. Yeah, he and, was like clinically depressed, and I didn't do much for that, quite frankly. Mrs. Swamakai said, "Just think about how much you can give to those children." That was her focus, not the husband part. 
Then I think, quite frankly, she felt really happy either <laughs> in a marriage. So she wanted to focus on being really happy and love and this kind of stuff. That wasn't where she was coming from. She said she was focused on you guys. That was her, and that was how she got me involved. You know, it's so weird too, though, because like I didn't feel like anybody really cared about me, even though they would. There go are members. And, there were members that cared about you. Go and spearhead like a, a mom for me, but nobody fed me. Nobody t talked to me. Well, Miss Samakai didn't know you personally. She was in New York. They just knew of this wild child girl who had. They just knew of the situation. That a hoarder dad, clinically depressed, uh, addicted to gambling. Somebody do something, but. They, active members, wouldn't do anything. They had to find you, an ex-member, and rope you into it. <laughs> well, it wasn't quite like that, but yeah. That's crazy. Subconsciously, probably that's what it was. That's yeah. fucking crazy. <laughs> like, to me, that's crazy. I'm very grateful you came to my rescue, but... <laughs> I mean, it's just... I, I didn't even know they were... Because the way I experienced it is that everybody looked down on us, and they were blaming us for... You know, well, they were treating, I mean, they were just like, you know, there's this press now, there's this divorce, and, you know, what's it going to be like for their kids to be married to these? Well, nobody you know. wanted to have us at their house because we were evil spirits, and we yeah, were... Yeah, yeah, it's bullshit if, stuff. If, if something died, it was our fault because we were close, or if someone got See, married. I didn't realize it got to that point. Oh, yeah, no, it, there was people doing drugs in the bathroom of BIA, drug, drug addicts that they had invited to witness to. The drug addicts went to the bathroom, did their drugs, and they blamed my brothers for it. It was like, we're kids. We're not all evil. Like, we're not pure evil. We're not doing these things. Like, you guys invited the drug addicts to your lecture. I mean, you in my impression, like I said, I, I really didn't like Bridgeport. Yeah. I really, really did not like Bridgeport. You might have liked it a lot. No, I think I you did. It. I mean, I for what I knew. I yeah. thought it was, you know. But... Uh, because there was a lot of intellectuals that were on this level, I'm better than you, kind of. That's the feeling I got. Yeah. And from an intellectual So kind the community of viewpoint. was never... Warm I, and welcoming? No. Like the United Family in the 70s? You know, oh, God, no. <laughs> no. The church never got to that point again for me. Wow. So that's, never. That's where our journey started. Dad wasn't ever there. He, he wasn't there. He, he was never there. He was gambling, or he was working at the casino... Or he was teaching. Which I tried to get him out of as soon as possible. Or by he the way. was drinking himself to sleep. And that was it. Like, he was never there. I don't remember one memory with my dad. So I tried to get him out of there. And, and I got him, I was the one that got him a job here. Yeah. Did you know that? He, I was the one that got yeah, him a job. Yeah, because he was, Clint, he, he was not doing anything for a year, right? Something like that. When I was in Korea or something. I don't. Yeah, so he was only making like. $100 a month or something. Yeah. So I said, you got to get a better job. And um, so he goes, but there's nothing around here. I go, well, look, go, you know, apply. Go to, you can, We can go anywhere. You don't have to be here. Because I really didn't like Bridgeport a lot. But I stayed there until you graduated from high school. In New York, yeah, we went to New York. And then we lived together. And it was just you and me. But only because of you. I didn't want... Yeah. You to go through high school with me in Texas with your dad. Yeah, yeah, because I would have fallen. Well, yeah, I can't say that that wasn't on my mind, but <laughs> that wasn't the only reason. Where were you going to live? Where were you going to be with? Uh -huh. Yeah. So I lived with you. And that was hard. We oh. fought a lot. Cause I didn't, yeah, no, it wasn't a good time. It wasn't a good time. For I, either I, one of us. I, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And I had to work, too. And I and, was... I didn't want to be in the church, but I felt like I had to be. I didn't like who I had to be, and it was tearing me apart. And you could see that now. I, I mean, I had, you know. But I wish we talked then. No, we just yelled at each yeah. other all the time. I wish we could talk then. We had talked then, because then I maybe understood more. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't happy either. I was relatively new in this relationship and he takes off to Texas Texas and um, you've got four kids <laughs> and um and everybody was struggling basically to figure it out where we belonged I didn't have the words for how I felt I thought the church was everything you know I wasn't raised with the choice of you could be something else you don't have to be with these people you know you don't 
have to believe in this stuff. I really believe Moon was the Messiah. Like, I believe the, that whole thing. And it tore me up when I felt that it wasn't right, but I didn't have the example to be like, and it, it doesn't have to be your way. You don't have to live this way. I, I thought, well, if I don't live this way, it's like when you first left, you felt like a failure. Mm-hmm. In, this, in the 80s when you first left, you felt, this is my fault. Oh, yeah. That's the guilt I was dealing with. Yeah. This is my fault. This yeah. has got to be true. And, and I was young. I was 16. No, I never thought any of that was your fault at all. I felt you just weren't given the right... I felt I failed, you know. I felt I didn't give you the right attention. We, nobody knew how to raise their kids the right way. Should have just been given the freedom to be themselves no matter what. No matter how, how what direction it led them. Really. That's, that's how you feel about it now. Oh, yeah. It's definitely. And I tried probably in the wrong ways. I know. Not probably. I know I tried in the wrong ways. But I really didn't think you guys liked me very much. Oh, I love you. Well, now it's different. But at that time, it was... I can imagine it was hard. I mean... I mean, the church like, he should go back to his wife. You know, I thought you guys hated me. Your father was ignoring me. I mean. It's an impossible situation. You saved our lives. <laughs> and now, you get to be called Ami. <laughs> yeah. Best part of it. Um, Best part. That's the name Logan came up for you. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> I never knew what to call you. Because I... <laughs> I tried calling you mom sometimes, but I remember one time you said, you know, I'm not your mom, I'm like the replacement. And I was like so confused. Well, I meant it in terms of you wanted to have a relationship with your mother, you could. Oh, uh, yeah. And That's we, why I said that. Yeah, not no, because I. And I love that because we did go see her, but that turned out awful. That was a whole can of worms. She's terrible. But it wasn't my idea to go visit her. It's just I didn't want to keep you guys from visiting Yeah, no, that's a good mentality to have, but I just didn't know how crazy she was. That was really, you know, uh, as a kid, I wish I could have seen things more clearly like I do now. No kid does. No kid does, but I was so confused about the dynamics of everything, and I was so confused about what love was. You know, I thought my dad loved me. Well, you know, I think he does. He just doesn't know how to show it. I think he cares about me, but he doesn't know how to show it. Um, but that was the standard, so I was Yeah, so he, right, right. Um, I certainly didn't know how to behave in this situation either. But, um, but you know, if we could do a rewind, at least to the part where I was, I would do things a heck of a lot differently. I'd go back to when we were driving in the car. <laughs> I love those times. Winding roads. Being, <laughs> am I going fast? Am I going too fast? You're going too fast. <laughs> On the curves. Oh, that was fun. Winding roads. We just met. And you weren't even 16 yet. You no, know? I was 11. 12. <laughs> 12 years old. Gave me the keys you to your new Honda Civic. It was gold. Then you gave that car to my brother. You gave us everything ever. Everything that we had was from you. After that. Hey guys, and that's the episode. I hope maybe it gave you guys some closure to hear the honest truth of what it was like raising kids in the Unification Church. My biggest concern in the story is that the social worker mentioned in this episode and Nora Spurgeon, the principal of BIA, they saw four kids that needed help. They saw a dad who needed help. And instead of actually providing help as a church community, food, shelter, assistance, emotional support, any type of intervention, they roped a woman in and made her marry a man. It's very backwards to me. First of all, I think there, sh- there could have been so many other interventions. Marriage is not the solution for every problem. In true Mooney fashion, that's what happened. As you hear from this story, 
I'm very upset that it wasn't a win-win situation for my mom. It wasn't. She deserves so much better. I am so frustrated for her. And that's why I'm telling her story. Because this is happening in the Unification Church to people who do not deserve it. There are good people in the church who deserve so much better. And that is why we are telling these real stories. If a social worker and a principal of the school for the Moonies thought that this was a solution of the best case scenario for me as a child, can you imagine how many other shitty calls they made for so many other fucking kids and so many other good women and and men that deserve so much better? They're just playing with people's lives. And it's fucked up. It is so fucked up. But Ami has so much grace for these people. She, it's her grace that saves this story. It really is. And I'm so happy to be able to see her every day and be her family. And I do care about her so much. There is plenty more stories we could talk about and actually we talked for another hour after this about mft experiences and uh it was awesome but for now that's a lot and i'm gonna wrap it up here this is a real story this is what they won't tell you in (laughs) in the church propaganda this is a real fucking story this is this is the unspoken story of comfort women in the unification church thanks y'all Take care of your mental health, and we'll talk again soon.